to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. everybody. We are so glad that you're here. Welcome to episode 18 of the Life Lessons podcast. How are you today, Sherry? I am amazing because the sun is shining and I got to go sit outside for about Me 30 too. minutes. Can you see that my face is a little pink? No, I it's, didn't. Yeah, I was, yep, I was able to sit outside too. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, obviously we record this in advance. So we're recording this at the end of February and it has been so, I mean, we didn't have the trouble where, where I live, like, you know, Texas and other places with the ice storm and the snow and all the crazy. You had some snow. It's it's just been wet and dreary here. Yes. But so wet and dreary. But today it's like 70 degrees. I just had to look at my watch because you said end of February and I was like, what? Yeah, it's, it's the it end of February. the 23rd of February. I don't know When how this comes happened. out, it will be spring, beautiful spring. Oh my gosh. I know. Because uh, so my neighbor, I guess he saw me sitting outside. He sent me a text. He said, can I come over and sit with you? I said, come on over. Mm-hmm. So we, the only time I see my neighbor is when we sit on each other's porches and catch up. And I hadn't seen him since, gosh, October maybe. Because once it gets cold and dreary, I just move You're not inside. sitting out there. I'm yeah. Not. Well, I love, I love the spring. And so today is one of those days that reminds us that spring is coming. It, it always coming. does. Just when you think you're going to be in winter forever. Yep. Spring appears. I love it. Yeah. So um, each week, uh, we start with a good news segment. And today's story I really loved. It was sent in to us from a listener named Debbie. And uh, she lives in Manatee County, Florida. And this was on like their community newsletter. Um, So a couple in South Bradenton, Florida, Melinda Zarzicki Harris and her husband, Stephen Harris, they noticed that the pandemic was impacting their neighbors negatively. So they have a solution, and that was to install a neighborhood pantry in their front yard. And it's a it's a big cabinet, um, about the size of a kitchen cabinet. It's four feet high by two and a half feet wide. And they started stocking it with a variety of items such as food, laundry soap, toilet paper, pet food, and just other basic household supplies. Melinda had a longtime dream of wanting to start an outdoor pantry, but when suggesting to others, she said they laughed and they told her it'd be destroyed and it wouldn't last. And um, so she just like kept putting it on the back burner. But when the pandemic happened, she moved forward and uh, what she is experienced has been the exact opposite of what people told her to expect. She says they sit and they watch families stop and get a meal for the evening or that kids come by and grab breakfast out of it on their way to school. Um, They witness homeless people grabbing a meal or even a toothbrush. A sign on the door says, take what you need, leave what you can. 
She says, our box is a community box, so many folks take items, but just as many come and stock items. It is a beautiful, perfect circle. The pantry is restocked daily with items to make a complete meal, such as tuna, spaghetti sauce, noodles, and rice. The couple also make a conscious effort to provide food for the many children in their neighborhood who pass by on their way to or from school, as many of them come from low-income households. Melinda shared, we have tons and tons of kids in our neighborhood, so we also stock snack bars, cereal, and small kid-friendly meals like mac and cheese and SpaghettiOs, applesauce, and fruit. The kid-friendly items go very quickly, as well as envelopes of chicken salad or tuna. Helping others is not new to this couple, as for the past seven years, their faith-based nonprofit organization called Bring on the Ministry has been passing out snacks and water on weekdays. And two years ago, they partnered with the Bridge Church of Bradenton to provide mobile hot showers to those who are homeless. Equipped with air conditioning and a tankless hot water system, the showers can handle up to 125 people before needing to be refilled. And to date, they have provided over 1,500 showers. Their outdoor food pantry is the latest way that their ministry is serving their neighbors. And even though it's small, the pantry has had a big effect. Melinda said, this box has brought me complete joy. The tiny box is changing a community in a small but mighty way. This little box is showing love, kindness, and help in the most beautiful way. It has been a wonderful conversation starter on how to help people. And if you'd like to find out more about how Bring On The Ministry is helping the Manatee community, you can visit their website at bringontheministry.com or follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Bring On The Ministry. Yeah, I love the sound of that. It reminded me, of course, of those little free libraries. Do you have those in your town? We do not have the free libraries, no. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, uh-huh. Yeah. They're like little boxes that people set up, but, you know, just they can be anywhere, maybe in their front yard, and they they stock them with books, and you can come and take a book and leave a book. And yeah, I love that idea. I love those little free libraries. We have one right around the corner from my house. It's very Do cute. you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's I mean, and Yeah, there, I, I know of several. Just, like, I can think of three that I could walk to Yeah. from here. So, yeah, th- those types of things. You know, I, I love books, of course, but food, food and pantry items, even more of a necessity. Yeah, we do have a pantry sort of like this. Um, I live in one town and I live right on the river. And then on the other side of the river, somebody started a pantry like this. And it's front of a, it's in the front of a local pharmacy. And it's a pretty fairly good sized box. And uh, I say box, it's almost like an outdoor shed, really. Right. And um, yeah, you can go in and take what you need and leave something. And it's a great... Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I love that the community is taking care of it. Uh-huh. And, and treating it like a valuable resource, which yeah. it is. Wonderful. So listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, you know, we always take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And I'm talking again about Beauty Counter. (laughs) It's like we've talked about that a lot recently, but, you know, I'm working on a new book. And I've shared that in past episodes. I'm, I'm researching for it and writing it. And more and more research, my research is showing me that it is 
essential to be careful about what chemicals we come in contact through our daily living. Today's life lesson is about Alzheimer's disease. And I read an estimate that suggests that about 70% of the risk of developing Alzheimer's is attributable to genetics. But that means 30% is likely related to environmental factors and our lifestyle choices. And so some of these environmental factors may be exposure to toxic metals, other chemicals, pesticides, air pollutants, and long-term exposures to these environmental contaminants, you know, together with bioaccumulation, which means that they, you know, they build up in our tissues over an individual's lifetime, um, this is speculated to induce neuroinflammation, you know, in our brains, and this can pave the way for the development of Alzheimer's. So one way we can limit our exposure to potentially harmful chemicals is by carefully choosing our personal care products. And, you know, I've realized just from the, the work that I'm doing research in my book, I mean, there are tables and pages and so many chemicals out there. And you just can't tell from looking at the names of them whether they're harmful or safe. And I don't have time to research every ingredient in every personal care product in my bathroom. So that's where Beauty Counter comes in. They have what's called the Never List, and there are over 1,800 questionable or harmful chemicals that they never use as ingredients in their products, and that includes over 1,400 chemicals that are banned or restricted in personal care products by the European Union, plus additional chemicals that Beauty Counter has determined may be of concern, you know, better safe than sorry. So not only can I be sure that their products are safe, but they just plain work. So go to jenstevens.com slash beauty counter to read more about beauty counter. You can also shop with me from that link or you can go to beautycounter.com slash jenstevens. Did you want to add anything to that, Sherry? No, I'm just really loving their products. Really, their counter timeline. Yeah. Look at my skin. It looks fabulous. Your skin <laughs> does. It. it looks so smooth and... <laughs> yep. So... And it just I makes never, it easy. I've always been one of those people that, you know, I, I have always been careful about what I put on my face. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I was using a line that some of their stuff was EWG verified and then some of it wasn't. And then I was constantly having to look and, and worry about whether or not, you know, they were going to change their, um, their formulation. The formulation. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Because companies do that all the time. They do. If, if they can't get one item, if they, you know, whatever their supplier doesn't send it to them, they'll switch up and they'll use a different item. And so I just feel really safe knowing that if it's beauty counter, I can put it on. I don't have to worry about it. It's great. And it's really the first time I've ever used an entire, like, regimen. Mm-hmm. And I have, it like, a space cleaned out in my medicine chest and it's all lined up it looks really pretty and i just it is pretty i have it on my counter and i've never been one to put things on my counter but i have a little tray and it sits there it's so pretty it's like i'm yeah playing with my little toys and it just (laughs) smells really good and it feels great on my skin too and now it's time for our life lesson of the week this week's topic is alzheimer's disease most every person who is listening today has had some exposure to this disease through a beloved family member or close friend. I lost my grandfather in 2011 to Alzheimer's and my grandmother in 2019. And I lost both my grandmothers to Alzheimer's. Yeah, it is a really devastating Mm -hmm. disease. According to the WHO, the World Health Organization, Alzheimer's disease is the most common form of dementia. 
Dementia causes deterioration in memory, thinking, behavior, and the ability to perform everyday activities. Nearly 50 million people around the world currently have dementia, with an estimated 10 million more expected to be diagnosed each year. Alzheimer's accounts for 60 to 70% of all dementia cases. Dementia just doesn't affect the patient, it affects their family and the community at large. When a family is given a diagnosis of Alzheimer's in a loved one, there are many things to consider and arrangements to be made regarding treatment, therapy, long-term support, and care, and oftentimes living arrangements as the disease progresses. On average, people who are diagnosed after the age of 65 have a life expectancy of four to eight years, but for many people, they can live as long as another 20 years after diagnosis. There is no textbook for Alzheimer's. It is a mysterious disease that researchers are continually researching in hopes of learning more. Today, we are joined by a wonderful member of our Life Lessons Facebook community. Her name is Lori McDonald, and she has some wonderful insights to share with us about her experience with Alzheimer's disease. Not only did she write a wonderful book called Blue Baseball Virginia about her experience, but she also speaks around the country to raise awareness and share insight with others. So welcome, Lori. Hello. So glad to have you here today, Lori. And, you know, as, as Sherry and I both mentioned, we've been touched by Alzheimer's. And I would bet every every person listening has as well. So we really look forward to hearing your story. There are very few people that I have met mm-hmm. that have not been affected in some way. You know, everybody has a coworker who has somebody going through it. And I, I'm just blown away at how many people this affects. Yeah. So why don't you just start out by talking with us? Um, you know, a lot of people are familiar with Alzheimer's. We hear about it a lot. But um, kind of maybe you could share with us maybe the difference between a dementia diagnosis and an Alzheimer's diagnosis or or what the progression of that is and kind of go into that a little bit. Sure. You know, sometimes whenever I'm speaking, I'll meet someone and they'll say, you know, my mom had Alzheimer's, but she didn't have dementia. And I'm thinking that's not the way that works. You know, but The way I like to explain it is um, dementia is an umbrella, and that's any memory loss at all. And there are little streamers hanging off of that umbrella. And those streamers are things that cause dementia. The number one cause of dementia is Alzheimer's disease. And then there are other things. Parkinson's can cause dementia. A hospital stay, as you know, Sherry, as a nurse, can cause a little form of dementia. Some dementias you can recover from, but Alzheimer's disease is not something that you can recover from. So there are lots of things, Lewy body, frontal temporal, all of those are dementia. So Alzheimer's disease just happens to be the most common side of dementia. That's a great distinction. And you know what, then I have to clarify what what I said. My grandmother had Parkinson's, one grandmother had Parkinson's. So her dementia came from the Parkinson's. My other grandmother was actually diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And lots of times they'll find, and that this is what I found. Um, the book is about my mother-in-law, who we everyone affectionately call Granny. Granny. So mm-hmm. when you hear me talking about Granny, and I know I've sent tons of books to your listeners, so I have gotten so many sweet, sweet comments and messages back about how much they have all fallen in love with Granny and what a character she was and how much they could see their loved one in her and the things that we went through. But uh, you'll find that there's not, there are very few times that they don't sort of, you know, lots of times a person with Alzheimer's will have some of the Parkinson's and then, you know, if they've got Lewy body, then that, so lots of times it, it there's a little of several different kinds. Uh-huh. 
and so they don't really get a true diagnosis until they do an autopsy. So Right. And my grandfather, he had a bad head injury, he had a car accident, had a bad head injury, which, you know, after that, he just wasn't quite right. Um, he started losing his memory, repeating himself more, that sort of thing. And so at first they were like, well, he's got some dementia brought on by the head injury. But then like as time passed, it became very obvious that we were dealing with Alzheimer's disease. So why don't you um, just tell us a little bit, tell us about Granny. Tell us, you know, tell us about her and, and how everything um, played out. Jen, she was a teacher. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a, I saw I'm, that. I'm a teacher too. We homeschooled our kids. And so I jokingly say, I'm a, I'm a uh, gifted teacher too. Because <laughs> I, got, I, I got to crack the whip and make sure that they stayed on point. But anyway, so I'm a teacher. She was a teacher. Uh, super smart. Whenever I married into the family, everybody called her granny. So that's what I referred to her to. And um, we owned a golf course. And so they, um, after she retired from being a teacher, she became a librarian. After she retired from being a librarian, then she ran the golf course. And she did that right up until about the year 2000. And it got to the point, my husband's a dentist. And so, and I was a a full-time mom. We have four kids. Uh, Corey was, I I got, I got a husband and a 10 year old at the same time. And then we had three. So I had four kids who were in sports and, and music and we homeschooled and I helped at the dentist office. And so I kept getting these phone calls, these frantic phone calls. Um, You know, someone stolen my purse. I can't find the keys. Um, You know, and I just begin to think, hmm. And she's kind of anytime you meet a woman who is really uh, a go getter, they kind of can tend to be scatterbrained. And you know, so you know, because it's like we're doing so many things, and you know, you drive to school, and your kids like you're not dropping me off here, and it's like ah. So Granny sort of had that about her, a little bit of a scatterbrain. But I begin to notice these little notes, and she would make notes all the time, and it might say bread milk, pick up Corey, uh, orange juice. And I would think, oh, that was odd. She put that in there. And Corey is my oldest. He's my stepson. And so, but then I'd find that same note exactly the same way. Bread, milk, pick up Corey, orange. And I thought, how weird is that? So little by little, I began to notice things. And um, like I talk about in the book, no one wants you to accuse their mother (laughs) of having some memory issues. Right. I mean, that just, mm-mm. and I got met with a whole lot of, you know, you're crazy. She's fine. No. And I get that. I, whenever I go and I speak, I get that from a lot of people. There are lots of family members do not want to know that there might be a problem. And so I went through a long string of events and um, we had her tested and so it's kind of funny because people will be real honest with me after they've read the book. And they'll say, when I first picked up your book and I saw the title Blue Baseball Virginia, I thought, what a stupid name for a book. <laughs> and then they read the book and find out. And then they get it. But those yeah. are the three words that they use to test her. And they were like, I've had so many people cry. They call me crying. Like, I just finished your book. That was the perfect name for your book, you know, because they test you with three words and what is today's date and who's the president and on and on. And then they come back and say, no, what were those three words? So anyway, she was, she was incredible. And I began to realize that she didn't just have some simple memory issues. There was something going on. And so she got diagnosed 
um, with Alzheimer's. And mm-hmm. how old was she when she was diagnosed? Almost 78 to about 77. I know probably from about the time she was 71 or 72, there were things that in hindsight, you look back and go, ah. Some red flags that you didn't really recognize were red flags at that point. Yes. And and I I noticed that in other people, one of her catchphrases was, um, first one thing, then the tether. And I think that's even a title of one of the chapters. And that was her little catchphrase. And if she couldn't remember, if I'd say, Granny, what'd you do today? Oh, first one thing and then the tether. And because it was such a cute little colloquial phrase, then I began to notice, you know, you know, what did Brother Ron preach about this morning? I preach, oh, first one thing and then the tether. And I thought, oh, she doesn't remember. So they can use, you know, she was using that phrase to cover that she Uh didn't know and she didn't want you to know that she didn't know. And maybe, you know, she was confused about why she didn't know as well. Mm -hmm. And she was just, she was such a character. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as you read in the book, she just, she was so fun and funny. And um, she just, she was just so full of personality. And one of the things I talk about in the first chapter about getting to know her is I try to remind people it is so devastating to watch someone you know who is vivacious and fun-loving and so intelligent to start fading away. You know, um, the, I think um, Nancy Reagan called Ronald Reagan the long goodbye because it's right. like mm-hmm. you're losing them so gradually. And so I wrote about how fun of a person she was in Chapter 1 because I want to remind everybody else, hey, don't forget who this person is. And um, because it does get hard. It gets hard whenever someone who was always, you know, dressed to the nines and they just become so, you know, disheveled. It's just, it's sad. One thing that I, I, um, I know is that the major theme of your book is that you were, your goal was to keep granny at home, to keep her surrounded by family, by friends and in her normal routine rather than in in some sort of care facility. Um, of course, both of my grandmothers ended up in, in care facilities at the end because they had needs that we couldn't meet at home by that point. But, um, you know, what are some of the things that you did to keep Granny at home? Well, first of all, let me say, and I, I always try to clarify this. If you are a person who ends up having to put a loved one into some type of care, I am not... The, we all, Absolutely. every situation is different. Right. So, and I try to do a disclaimer in the book several different times to let people know, you know, we've got a lot of great friends who work in those facilities and memory care has come so far than it was then. I mean, right. just, and I live in a little podunk USA. I mean, we did not have, you know, there was no such thing as a memory care then. Now we have a wonderful f- facility that, that has that. The reason I homeschooled my kids was because, I didn't think that there was any way that they would get an education from a teacher who wanted them to succeed more than I did. And that was my personal conviction. Um, my degree is in um, education and psychology. So I really wanted the best for my kids. And I felt like homeschooling them would get them that. It came the same thing with Granny. Right. I felt mm-hmm. like, who's going to take care of her better than her family and and she'll thrive better in her home when when dr lim first diagnosed her he pulled me out in the hallway and he said now Lori, you're going to have to find 
Miss McDonald a good home. And I said, oh, well, that works out great because she's had one for 50 something years at the same place. And, you know, and he told me, he said, well, as this progresses, we're going to have to look into something different. And thankfully, she what we were able to keep her home right up to the end. And then, um, you know, if you when you read the book, my father-in-law passed away six months later, shockingly. So he got to stay home. But I mentioned the three different family members in the book that did have to go into a facility because these women just couldn't. They, these mm-hmm. ladies just could not. You get to a point to where it's what's best for everyone in this right, situation. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are some great facilities now. My grandfather, and I t- I shared this story with Lori when her and I chatted on the phone a month or so ago, was um, he was a retired police officer, um, you know, worked in the drug task force and that sort of thing. And one thing that happens with Alzheimer's is a lot of times people go back, go back to mm-hmm. their like core knowledge or what they did for their life. And um, so what my my parents tried to keep my grandfather for a while at their house, but my grandfather would get up in the middle of the night and um, he would be looking for drugs or he would be looking for weapons or, you know, and he would be wanting to go through the, the furniture. And, um, you know, I remember a story where he had turned over some furniture at his home and my, my poor grandmother was like four foot 10 and tiny and she could not safely keep him at home that's when he went into my parents home and then you know it just got to the point where my mother my my father worked shift work so he wasn't there all the time and my mother just couldn't manage him anymore either because it would have been dangerous not only for her but for him you know because yeah he has all of this strength in the moment but he's still an elderly man Right. And so, yeah. So I think it is important that like with you, Lori, you could and, and your mother, um, granny's condition was that you could keep her at home. But I don't think anybody should ever, ever feel, you know, I tell people once it becomes a safety issue, your decision right. has been made for you. Exactly. Absolutely. Because, you know, we we had children and and I do talk about in the book, you know, sadly, I feel like a lot of people go from, OK, they're living at home alone. And she left the stove on once, so now we're going to stick her in a home. And I feel like they're jumping a canyon when they could have done a couple of little hurdles. And so my next step, and I talk about different places where you can find help. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Sherry's a nurse. This is no offense, but lots of times some of the greatest caregivers are people without a medical background. And like Jenna, who ends up coming in and staying with Granny during the day for us, she didn't have a medical background. And I just, I try to list all the different people that you can, you know, cause you, you go to the point to where it, it just wasn't feasible for me to be with her eight hours a day. I couldn't, there was no way right. with me teaching and all that I had going on that I could do that. So um, lots of times, you know, get a neighbor and a schedule, a schedule, a schedule, a schedule is any family member, a caregiver. It's their best friend because I would make a, a, a month and I would pick two or three different people and I would ask them, could you drop in on Granny and Papa? Do you mind doing that? So I had a neighbor who would go over every Tuesday morning at 10. Now, I never told Granny and Papa I've scheduled these people. They just thought, uh-huh. oh, we just have so much company. <laughs> and so, <laughs> um, but there are lots of, you know, we had an elderly lady at church who loved to go visit. She just, she needed to be asked to do that. Otherwise she felt like she was intruding. And so Mm -hmm. there are so many different people. And so I I do a 
pretty exhaustive list in the book to try to tell people, you know, um, and most people were just tickled to death to, to do that. And then it will progress, obviously, to where um, you're going to probably need to hire. We didn't have in our little hometown, I don't even know that home instead and things and visiting angels, that, that wasn't even a thing. <laughs> you know, and that they certainly didn't have it where I live. And so now there's so many wonderful different options. And so I'm, I'm really happy because caregivers have a, a hard time ever backing off and letting someone else help them because, you know, my, my thing is, is you're going to do it wrong. <laughs> you're right. going to do it wrong. So um, it's good that there are things out there that caregivers can do to get a break. And I suggest to all the listeners out there, if they're a caregiver of any kind, to take advantage of it. When people offer to, to give you a break, they're not going to. Take it. Yes. You need that for your mental clarity. Mm-hmm. One of the things you talked about that hit home for me and probably anyone who struggled with this with a family member is, you know, when is it time to face the fact that they should not be driving anymore? That is such a hard step to get to. I can remember with my grandmother, and you know, first they start having little incidents, right, uh-huh. with the car. <laughs> like, why does your car have a big dent in it? <laughs> right. And, and yeah, I'm laughing now. It's not funny. It's safety. But anyone who's ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. So, you know, the the story that you told of Granny and her crazy trip back from was it Nashville yeah, driving her car in that new lane, which happened <laughs> that new lane, the turning lane for those who right. Are not ready she to drove home in the, in that other line it was just crazy right so she took that center turn lane and she just drove it the whole way the whole way highway 70 those of you who are in middle tennessee she drove from nashville to carthage in the center line and the funny thing is is uh one of the the ladies who i mean if you're on that headed that direction there's not a whole lot of places you can go other than carthage because we're so (laughs) far out from nashville but um, one of my husband's um, dental assistants was actually a couple of cars behind her. And by the time Melanie got to work, she told David, she's like, Dr. Mack, my nerves are shot following your mama home because <laughs> right. just weaving and bobbing and, you know, and cars were in the turning lane and they were weaving out of her way. So it is. And that's the hardest thing is letting, you know, they've been driving longer than we've been alive. And now right. they're saying this isn't safe. And of course, they can't remember that it's not right. safe. Uh-huh. It's just it's. It, it's rough. And that's why I suggest in the book that you get the doctor to be the bad guy. Do not be the bad guy. Right. You know? Right. So and I think, great, you know, yeah. when you take away somebody's ability to drive, that is a huge freedom that is being removed. And I think that's why people fight so desperately to keep that, you know, that is their freedom. That is their ability to be a mover and shaker. And, um, you know, just because you're your mind isn't always working the way it's supposed to doesn't mean that you still don't want those social connections and that, you know, those days out and stuff. Um, I know my grandmother is 90, probably close to it now. And, um, you know, she still has a car and, and, um, she does, people do drive her a lot, but, um, yeah, she's not gonna, she's not going to give those keys up. So we, we have uh, a country music star uh, that's a good friend of ours, and his father-in-law has got Alzheimer's, and they don't tell anybody that. It's amazing. I talk about music and how music is the only thing that affects every part of your brain. Music is just incredible. So this uh, country music singer, when he gets out on the Grand Ole Opry, if he, they sit him at the piano, 
then he plays and his family sings with him and he does great because music seems to be the last thing to go. And, but his driving, not so much. And so <laughs> his granddaughter came, he goes to church with me, pulled me aside and, and all my grandkids, I'm like, so everybody call in our community called Granny Granny. Well, everybody in my community calls me Cha Cha because that's what my grandbabies call me and my little kids in Sunday school. So she's like, oh, Cha Cha, you've got to help me out. What am I going to do? So her neighbor went over and loosened some things on the engine so that it sounds like it's trying to start, but it won't start. And so there's a problem. And, you know, and it's kind of great right now. I'm, I'm, I'm like, Jen, it's not funny, but it is. But with the pandemic, they simply said, oh, mechanics can't work on cars in the pandemic. Well, that buys you some time. So, you know, he goes out and so, so far that's worked. And then, you know, as with everything else, all these little tricks, it's going to get to the point where you're going to just have to do something else. But the great thing is that if you can ever get Alzheimer's to work for you and remember that they're going to forget then after a while, they will forget that they're trying to get the car to start. So you sort of have to, to use it to your advantage. But that is one of the, the hardest parts of this. Mm-hmm. The whole goal is to help them preserve their dignity. And, and you know, because they, they have been the adult in your life, you know, whether it's your parent or your grandparent or your, um, you know, in-law, like in your example, it was your mother-in-law. But all the the choices that you end up having to make. So many of the things I read in your book reminded me of the same things with my with my grandmother. I was her main caregiver because my mother and my grandmother were estranged. So I mean, I was young. I was in my you know twenties, early thirties, and I I was raising two children, and I lived out of town in a whole other state. But I had to be the you know the one that did the the go between between her community and and her and the care that she got. Um, but you know everything that you mentioned from you know having to wear adult undergarments, for example, mm-hmm. you know, and, and having to get to that bridge and cross it with someone who had been, you know, fiercely independent, concerned about their appearance. And now you're having to figure out how to preserve their dignity with and undergarments. Call it a diaper, exactly. No, right. do not <laughs> say diaper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if you had to tell our listeners they're, they're dealing with this, maybe they've just recently got a diagnosis and a loved one. Um, what, if you had like five top tips to give people, what would those be? Interestingly, um, the book has been out for five years and it's amazing just how much has changed since then. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, Jen, I, I've heard you say on this podcast, you're, it's not an intermittent fasting podcast, but yet right. so many things intersect with that. And one of the number one things that I have found out, because I am an IFR now, and um, the more research I've done into that, it is amazing what autophagy will do for your brain. And, right. and you know, I recently listened to your sleep podcast. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, because my husband, my mother-in-law and father-in-law both ended up with Alzheimer's disease. So my husband's 14 years older than me and he doesn't act it. People are always laughing. (laughs) Who's the older one in that? But because of that, I'm not going to lie. There's a bit of me that is doing a lot of preventative things with, Mm -hmm. with him because, you know, I've ridden this horse once. I don't care to go back down that track. Um, But intermittent fasting, that is the first thing I would look into. So if you've got listeners that um, are concerned you really need to think about taking up an intermittent fasting lifestyle because autophagy is basically 
getting, it's like a dump truck, getting rid of the things right. in Clean your body. Out. Yes. Well, Alzheimer's disease is basically where your brain, and I'm going to so simplify down this, but it's basically where your brain gets clogged up with a bunch of junk and trash. So your husband's a dentist and I can like, kind of compare that to your teeth, right? You go to the dentist and they go and they clean the plaque off your teeth. Yes. And, and you want to do that to your brain. Absolutely. Right. Yep. And, Absolutely. And um, like, I've just been so excited about this like because I've got somewhere I've got to speak to. And it's funny because I brought out my notes that are kind of my go-to thing. I'm too ADD to actually use notes. And so <laughs> I, I, I try to use like bullet notes to kind of keep me on track. But um I thought I'm, I'm going to change all of this because what used to be my my top five have fallen down the list because the more I learn about the the health benefits of intermittent fasting and it has a side effect of weight loss, the more I realize that oh my goodness because um, there is an incredible book you know. I always recommend people, they say, what is a good book to read on Alzheimer's? I'm like, well, Blue Baseball Virginia is my number one. And then there's <laughs> another one, and it's called Aging with Grace. And it's a mm-hmm. nun study that uh, Dr. David Snowden did. And the amazing thing about that is they did it because the hard thing to do a study of people is because all of our lifestyles are so different. So right. it's hard to compare apples to apples. But in this, he chose nuns because they have have the same stressors they have the same diet they have the same environment and it was just so incredibly brilliant um but one of the things that i found in that book that just blows my mind is that to truly get a diagnosis of alzheimer's they have to do an autopsy after the person passes but there are things like the blue baseball virginia test and drawing the clock and start at 100 and count backwards by seven and those kind of things um there are so many things that you can do that will indicate whether or not you've got it. And in this book, one of the the leading things that they found out is you can pass away and your brain be riddled with Alzheimer's disease and you never have shown any signs of it. Oh, wow. You can also be what they call full-blown Alzheimer's, be at a level six and, and, and so and never show and your brain time. looks normal. And then you can do the opposite. You can be mm-hmm. just functioning. Everybody think, oh, she's got Alzheimer's and then be like a level one or two. It's just amazing. And so one of the things I tell people, the, the, the things that really highlight is a positive attitude and just really knowing that, you know, you're going to be a healthy person. You're going to beat this and um, and being a social butterfly. The more you can get out and meet with people, and even in a pandemic, there's so many ways you make a phone call um, and just really keep people active, learn something new. Uh, my, my grandmother, who is Mammy, who is mentioned in the book, will be 97. She's still living, for those who ask me all the time, she's still living. She's got the most upbeat attitude. My little boys would run through her house and be about to tear the place apart, and I would be fussing, and she'd say, sweetie. Just look at how healthy and robust they are. (laughs) Attitude was just so great. Um, But that and um, learning something new. Every time you Mm -hmm. can learn something new, you are creating a new pathway. One of the newest ones that I have recently discovered is that if you're right-handed, start brushing your teeth with your left hand because you want to do things that are not rote memory, that 
that are making your brain stop and think. So if you brush your teeth with your right hand, start brushing your teeth with your left hand. Um, Start taking a different route home every day. Don't drive the same. Your brain needs new pathways. And as long as there's new pathways, then you're not going to create as many tangles. And what will happen is parts of your brain that are not being engaged will start firing up and being engaged. So even if maybe you do have a little um, um, atrophy in one part of your brain, then other parts of your brain can step up and, and help you with that. That's a great tip. Yep, those are great tips. And, you know, you had 15 things that you listed. I wrote them down when I was looking at it. There's my, or you can't see it. I was trying to show it to you. It's on my phone. But 15 things that you did with Granny, you know, such as getting her out in the sunshine, um, keeping her, you know, exercise, the power of routine. Mm -hmm. I loved that. You know, every day having a purpose, working on her appearance. You know, making sure she felt, I mean, that's, that's huge right there. And, you know, I, I hate that, you know, because whenever they read it in the book, I, I wonder how many people, and it's our generation that, you know, our, will understand the whole Billy Crystal. It's better to look good than it is to feel good, darling. Yeah. <laughs> Billy so, Crystal, yeah. yeah. So that was, and so that was what, if, you know, if you take the time to help them get up and they don't want to, let me assure right. you, this was a battle every day. It's not like, Oh, well, Lori, you don't understand. My dad won't do this. Well, neither would she, <laughs> you know, I had to find a way. And I'd be like, you know, with, it's funny. Cause in the book, I tell my grandfather, I'm like, or my father-in-law, I'm like, you know, Papa, I don't know how to say this. You stink. It's time to take right. a shower. And so just getting them up and keeping their hygiene going, it's mm-hmm. so important. And because, they forget that they need to. And, you know, right. through the pandemic, we all feel better whenever we get up and do a little something to ourselves and get out of our sweatpants and yoga pants. So. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely encourage anyone who's going through this, you know, find, where can they find your book? Amazon, other places like that? Yes. I will tell you this because your listeners, if they, if they want to email me, they are welcome to to email me, I guess you can put that in the link, but it's mm-hmm. it's Lori Davis McDonald at hotmail.com and it's L-O-R-R-I-E. But I will actually sign a copy and give it to them. I think if they get it on Amazon, it's like 22 bucks. But if they get it from me, it's it's like 15. It's way cheaper. So if they want to get okay. a signed copy from me, then they can just reach out and uh, okay. I'll be and you'll arrange that with them. Absolutely. The name of the book is Blue Baseball Virginia, and the subtitle is The Journey of an Alzheimer's patient and caregiver, a journey of humor, help and hope. And I actually I I felt all of that as I was reading it, because, you know, you feel like you're there with the anecdotes. And, you know, it's not going to give you the science of Alzheimer's and how to, you know, but it's going to talk about the practical tips. You know, what do you do? One of the reasons I wrote the book was because when she got diagnosed, they handed me and I won't name the name of it, but it's a, a really thick and it's sort of a go-to book. Well, it was horrible. I was trying to read that, and it was all the medical jargon. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I didn't want to know that. I wanted to know, when am I going to have to wipe her bottom? That's what I right. wanted to know. What mm-hmm. am I going to expect? And so I literally wrote this book because it was the book that I would have given anything if somebody would have handed me this and said, it's going to be okay. That's the worst diagnosis you're ever going to hear, but you're going to get through it. We got through it. You're going to get through it. And that's really what I want this book to do. Like Jen, just like, you know, delay, don't deny, changed my world. Oh, uh, thank it you. It did. And, um, but anyway, I I'm, I'm get lots of feedback from Blue Baseball Virginia people saying it has totally changed the way I'm caring for my parent or my whoever. Right. And that's the best you can hope for. Yeah. And you, we just said the word that's been on my mind 
when you read your book, I think after, you know, having this diagnosis or, or living with it, or I think even if a person is feeling overwhelmed with Alzheimer's right now, your book, I think, gives hope. Right. Like, you know, it does give you hope and it does help you really sort of um, see that there are still good moments to be had. And you're going to laugh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where such horrific things happen that you're going to laugh or you're going to cry. And some days you do a little and both. both. Exactly yeah. right. So, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be a death sentence. You know, whenever you hear that diagnosis, then, um, you know, just determine which, what we should all be doing that today is going to be the best day of my life. And so uh, there are so many things to help overcome that. And I, I'm, I'm thankful. That's what I hope was that the book would, would give people a little ray of sunshine and bring them some hope and some humor and, yeah. and to know that, you know, it's going to be okay. And I think that that Granny would absolutely love the way that you've remembered her and the way that you bring her to us and also the way we get to know you and your tenacity for your caring for Granny. Because how many women would care for their mother-in-law the way that you cared for Granny? I get that a lot, but my gosh, she was such an amazing woman. I mean, she's just the epitome of what, you know, we in, in Middle Tennessee, we had a snowmageddon this past week and she loved the snow. That's why the cover of the book is her sledding. She's 78 years old in that picture. And of course I, I tell the story about she's at the top of the hill and her son, which is my husband is at the bottom of the hill and he's yelling at me wanting to make sure I'm keeping her warm. And the whole time I'm trying to get her, you know, she had a back injury and I'm trying to get her in the sled so she can sled for one last time. And, and she, it was the cutest thing ever. Cause I said, you know, granny j- just sit there. And then she said, snap a picture. And so Aww. I'm so glad I did because she was incredible. So she was easy to love and easy to take care of. Well, Lori, thank you so much for for telling your story here today. And everybody, the name of the book again is Blue Baseball Virginia. And we'll have a link in the show notes. Thank Thank you, you, Lori. Thanks. I'm so glad that Lori reached out to me. She sent me an email through our connect at lifelessonscommunity.com email address. And she told me a little bit about her story. And I had actually seen that she was sending books out to members right. of our community and just thought that was really wonderful of her to do that and get involved right away when she joined our community. She got she got really involved in the community. So I knew her name. I knew a little bit about her story. And um, so I asked her if I could call her. And um, I called her one night while I was driving to work. I have like a 70 mile commute. And so I thought we'd have like a quick 10 minute phone conversation. <laughs> and uh, we ended up talking for like the entire hour plus that I was driving. And so I knew a lot about her background of her story. But then, you know, reading the book really just brought it all home. And um, it, was, it was really nice to chat with her. And so I really want to tell like our listeners, if you have something that you're really passionate about, if you have an area of expertise, a special um, skill, yeah, reach out to us because we, Jen and I can talk about anything, but to me, it's really more impactful when we talk to people who we all have sort of like our, our passions, right? So like Jen's passions, intermittent fasting and, and my passion, you know, was intermittent fasting for a long time and it still is, but like I have all these other areas, but Jen's the expert on IF, 
I consider myself a pretty good expert on IF, but if you're an expert in, in anything, exercise science or home mortgages or, you know, whatever you have to share, share it with us and, and, and let us know so that we can share it with our listeners. Absolutely. Because just think about that. What What do you know about what would you like to share? What would you like to teach others? And then reach out to us. Connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. Tell us about it. We would love to have you have you share because, honestly, we know that the talents are out there and um, that's what's going to make this podcast awesome. Yeah. And a side note, too, if there is a subject that is really important to you and you would love us to do a podcast on it, send us an email as well. With a suggestion. With a suggestion. Yeah. Tell tell us, you know, what it is you want to learn more about or, or what subject that you um, think awareness needs to be raised about or, yeah, and, and send us send us an email and let us know and we'll, we'll connect. Yeah. You know, like I think we said early on, Seinfeld was the show about nothing. Our podcast is the show about everything. Any topic you can think of, we could do an episode on it. We're the, yeah. the show about everything. So before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about another one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and that is Shapa. You know, Sherry, do you remember when where we were when you first told me about Shapa? Yeah, we were at the beach. We were at the beach. Yep, I remember exactly. <laughs> All we were great at, things happen at the beach. That's true. We were at the beach, and Sherry said, you know, I found this scale, and I really like it. And I think it could be useful. And I'm like, what? I don't weigh myself. I don't want to scale. And then Sherry told me about the Shapa scale. And it is really a revolutionary scale. So the Shapa works. You stand on it and it doesn't give you a number. Instead, it gives you a color. And you don't get the color on the scale. You get it on the app. So you have your app connected to the scale. You get on. And then every morning you get the color. Mm, do you know what my color was this morning, Sherry? Were you gray? I was gray. I'm going through a little trend of light gray. Light gray means you're slowly gaining a little weight. But you know what I've realized? You know, I hadn't weighed myself for all these years of maintenance. I'm pretty sure that my weight cycles a little bit up and then a little bit down. Mm -hmm. Because right before I had this little bit of gray that I'm having, I had a period of teal and blue where my my weight was trending down. So my weight trended down for a, a little while. Then it stayed the same, which was green. Now it's trending up a little bit. And I'm confident it's going to trend back down. That's just what, what my weight does. I'm learning, you know, using my color that that's just normal. But what I, I love about the scale is, even though I don't want to see a number, like if I got on the scale and it said I weighed, you know, 100 and whatever, it might make me panic about that number. But instead, just seeing that my trend has been going up a little bit, I'm like, well, okay, may, you know, maybe I need to think about my eating window. Maybe I need to focus on a few less cookies. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but the, the feedback is even better than my honesty pants because it lets me know sooner. So um, the color doesn't seem to mess with me as much as seeing a number did for whatever yeah. reason. Psychologically. I can see that. And it's, it's really important to let people know too that um, it's a it's a trend and it's right. a ten day trend. Right. So it's not like oh I ate pizza yesterday. I bet on Wednesday all of a sudden I'm going to be gray. Right. It, it doesn't work like that. It, yep. It's more um, calculating like what is happening over a period of time, so that if you get into a trend of maybe extra long windows or too much pizza, 
Sherry. (laughs) (laughs) You might not see it for 10 days. You may not see it for 10 days. But uh, when you see that gray, it does provide a little, for me, it's a little bit behavior modification. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, Sherry, yeah, eating pizza three days uh, in a row last week was probably not the best choice for you. It's time to beef up your veggies a little bit. There you go. And then uh, sure enough, in another, you know, 10 days, suddenly I go back to teal and I start to take off, you know, a little bit of that pizza weight. And then I bounce back up to green, which means you're maintaining. I always yeah, think green it just, is it's, good. It's very helpful. It's it's yeah. a helpful tool. And it's funny, you know, after Christmas, it was 10 days after Christmas before I saw it. And I could just say, I'm like, all right, I'm on day nine after Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> then that trend started going the other direction. But it just doesn't give me the worries that seeing the number did. So I'm really enjoying having this scale. And so a scale that got me back on it after all these years. Right is pretty amazing. And I never have to worry because I did, even though I was maintaining, I did worry like, you know, what if I gain the weight and I don't realize it until it's too late? Uh-huh. That's all. See, I've never given up weighing mm-hmm. because I'm like, what if I don't weigh? And I wear scrubs, which are pretty forgiving. So I'm like, what if I don't weigh? And then all of a sudden my scrubs don't fit. And by the time right. my scrubs wouldn't fit, well, nothing was going to fit. Right. So... <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, my gosh, I would be too far gone. So, um, yeah, I do like the scale. It just keeps you accountable with a little nudge. Yeah, without that judgment of the number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So everybody who's listening, if you have um, some interest in finding out more about Shapa, go to myshapa.com and at checkout, use the code LIFELESSONS. You know, the way they price the scale is a little confusing for people because, you know, we're used to paying for a product and then you get the, um, you know, the app that goes with it. This is mm-hmm. the opposite. You pay for the subscription to the app and then the scale is, you know, quote, free. And so think about it like that. You know, you're paying a price and you're going to get the scale and the app all in there. So that's just important to know. So we also will have a link um, on the Shop With Us tab at lifelessonscommunity.com and in the show notes. So that's myshapa.com. And the promo code is lifelessons as one word to get get a special deal. And um, we can't recommend it highly enough. So now we have a segment we like to call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack or a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Linda. She says, ladies, don't throw out those roses. Put a cup of lightly crushed or bruised roses in a jar with one cup of your favorite oil. Grapeseed oil is a good one, but you might want to use light olive oil. Boil some water in a pot. Turn off the heat. Add the jars to the water for 30 minutes to extract the rose oil into the olive oil or grapeseed oil. Move the oil to a warm area like a sunny windowsill and leave it for 24 hours. Then strain it through a cheesecloth, pressing as much of the oil out of the petals as possible. If you want stronger smelling oil, you can repeat the steps again and again until you have the strength desired. It may take five to six cycles to get the desired strength. Then store it in a dark bottle with a tight sealing lid to keep the oil stable. Rose oil is very expensive, but by making your own, you can get the benefits without the hefty price tag. And so Sherry found a link from HGTV that has step-by-step instructions on how to do this, and we'll put that in the show notes. Yep. And actually, rose oil is really good for your skin. And it can. there's actually a study I ran across that um, it can decrease anxiety just um, smelling it. So 
That's a great tip because I happen to have roses. I don't know if you saw I posted on my dinner table. last night. I did and, see that. You know, we're recording this. It's it's over a week since Valentine's Day, and these roses still look fantastic. I don't know what happened. It's like a, a rose miracle. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener. And today's quote comes from Patty. She wrote in and shared this quote, which comes from a book called Illusions, The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah by Richard Bach. The quote is, there is never a problem without a gift for you in its hands. You seek problems because you need their gifts. So really think about that. Rather than looking at problems as a curse, try to look at them and see what gift you are receiving or what lesson you are being taught from the problem. And I mean, that's just really powerful. Sometimes we think, oh my gosh, why is this happening to me? Mm-hmm. I just have to get through this. But if you can pause and, and really look at, look at it as a gift, what gift am I receiving from this problem? You know, I've talked about this before on, on my other podcasts, um, the whole struggle that I had with obesity. I'm actually grateful for that. Those uh-huh. years that I've I struggled. Heard you say that. Yeah, when I got mm-hmm. to 210 pounds and... I don't think I would appreciate how great it feels to feel wonderful and to be free of all that struggle if I hadn't experienced, you know, what it felt like to be obese. Uh Uh-huh. That makes sense. And the freedom from from dieting and foods and worrying about what I'm eating, you know, that that was a gift for me. And so Right. And I think anybody who's ever been in a really bad relationship and then they get past that and they move on into a new relationship and they're in a good, healthy relationship, they're really able to appreciate that um, in a way that a person who hasn't experienced a, a bad relationship would be able to really feel the difference. Does that right. make sense? It does. It's the contrast between the two. Uh-huh. You know, the, the mundane day-to-day of any relationship is going to have its struggles Every person is going to get on your nerves, you know. <laughs> but then you realize, gosh, you know, if I, I talked about this last time we were talking about the trash bags. If the worst thing Chad does is that he doesn't put the trash bag back in after he took the trash out without uh-huh. me telling him, boy. <laughs> Have you tried the putting the trash bag on the trash can like a hat trick yet? Well, it didn't work for me because of the way uh, our trash cans are. Our uh, trash cans kind of dangle on like a little thing in a drawer. Yeah, you have a and rack. S- Yes, but uh-huh. the way that they're they're in there, it didn't work. I would have had to have taken the whole. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I tried it, and Chad's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing?" But I actually, I was so excited. I was like, "Look, thank you for not putting the trash bag back. Now I can do the mighty trick." And it was like so anticlimactic because it was like I'm like wrestling with it, and I'm like, "Never oh. mind, look away." I anyway. shared it with to my husband. I shared it with them. I was like, "Look what I learned," and he was just like, "I don't understand." Yeah, I've had to. So anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, you need to listen to last week's episode. Yeah, it was last week. <laughs> Put your trash bag on like a hat or don't. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. And we would love for you to leave a review so that other people can find it. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect 
at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.